Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then... Two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you, it's Weekend Edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, as uh, we're streaming here on the uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel and uh, can watch the show there. And Sharpie, uh, <laughs> you, you had a, uh, a shot there of... The parade celebration uh, in the backdrop. Now it's all the uh, the, the intramural medals uh, behind your right shoulder. Uh, I like it, but you got to be uh, still some. There we go. Oh, yeah, yes. got Mahomes and the beer goggles, and it's it's uh, quite wonderful here uh, in all its glory. Your your Chiefs kingdom, man. Uh, another Super Bowl ring, ho hum, right for your fellas. Yeah, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. That's two in four years. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was weird. Like the first Super Bowl, like we, we've all had our teams that have won championships is that first time you're like really emotional. Like the second time, I mean, I, you never take it for granted, but it's like a, it's like a completely different uh, feeling. But, uh, you know, I mean, 15 and Andy Reid together and you throw the ball to 87 and your offensive line blocks like that. I will tell you that I did a lot of pacing at halftime. I, I probably put more steps in than Rihanna at halftime. <laughs> Gary, you, you, you didn't mention quickly. You said uh, that we all have that moment where you watch your team win a championship, and I'm there, but I do have a buddy named uh, Kalen, works up in Norfolk. Uh, and I said you have a friend. Yeah, no, no, but but he's a Lions fan and he's a Husker fan, and he was born in 1999, so not all of us get to see championships. No. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> but no. uh, Gary, Speaking of champions. I was just going to say, oh, yeah, I want to get your reaction to Eric Bieniemy off to off to Washington before we get into some Husker news. It's probably good for both sides. Uh, it amazes me that EB doesn't have a job. Uh, there's got to be something more than just a bad interview. Um, and hopefully moving away where now he'll be the game designer and game caller, which he's not in Kansas City. Uh, that will help his stock when people look at him. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting place where he's going because I think Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. But I think for where he wants to get, this is probably the right step for him. Um, but it, it shows you, I mean, Kansas City's had some continuity in play calling. And, and as long as Andy Reid is there, he's going to design the plays and he's probably going to make a, a lot of the play calls. But good for Eric Bieniemy, And I hope he does well in Washington because he's been great with Kansas City in whatever role that he has filled over his time standing next to Andy Reid with his Waffle House menu. Uh me was a beast at Colorado, too. Darian oh, Hagan. Hey, and... No, no, well, no, no. Not a beast. I hated him in 1990. I know. <laughs> I mean, I had, a, I had a change yeah. that I liked Eric Bieniemy when he came to Kansas City because yeah. I hated him at Colorado. Oh, it was yeah. a, oh him He's and Hagan, and I will never forget. Michael I mean, Pritchard. that 1990 game will stick with me for my entire lifetime, especially that fourth quarter, which the whole fourth quarter was Colorado. Yeah, yeah, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. We uh, we we referenced the, uh, the 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 90 Colorado game 
kind of the pre Husker era of fourth quarter dominance, right? That yeah. was one of those games, fellas, where Nebraska got smoked uh, in, in the fourth quarter, 27 unanswered in freezing rain. Some of us still can't feel our feet from that South end zone experience. But the, uh, that's what was funny about that kind of era too, is Nebraska's only losses were basically to national title teams, right? Yeah. It, Lost yeah. to Colorado, lost to Washington, lost to Miami. G-Tech, yeah. Miami. That, that, the only time they lost was the teams that won the national title and went, un, went undefeated. Um, hey, let's speaking of uh, being on top of your game and, you know, kind of, you know, like the Chiefs being on top of the football world, you know, Nebraska basketball is threatening to be on top of the CBI. Is that still a tournament? No. I don't know if it is. Um, it, but it's still hey. it's still a tournament. So is the CIT. Okay. But that is a no-go for Nebraska. Nebraska's threatening. They're thre- they're on the bubble. They're on the CIT bubble, and I think we can all admit that. Uh, thirteen and fourteen right now. Going to take on Maryland uh, tomorrow at four o'clock, and it's going to get fun if nothing else, okay. right? Like you got a three-game home stand. The the crowds are going to be good. Football is over. People are ready to watch some hoops. Kase Tominaga is you know getting more of a cult following by the day with Steph Curry tweeting at him and all that. Um, now you got Maryland coming in fresh off of the the win over Purdue, and they got they got one of those kind of classic point guards that you always hope you get right. You hope you get a guy like Jameer Young that can yeah. just get into the paint, get to the line, distribute, steal, score. I mean, the guy you know he he kind of makes them go. I'm trying to figure out who's guarding him. Do you know like who? If Bandamel's on the team, Bandamel clearly draws that yes. assignment. I'm looking at the roster now, and I'm like, man, I don't know what you're gonna do. Do you box and one him? Do you Sam Hoyberg <laughs> just two three? You like, what, what do you I, do? I think they'll start with Greasel on him and see if he can keep him in front. Oh no, um, no. Mar- okay. Maryland's playing really, really well. You know, you you brought up getting on a run, and we've seen this in February a little bit. Where last year, you remember the run, Ohio State yeah. and Wisconsin, and Nebraska kind of teases you. If, if you really want to get giddy here, with four games left, and the next three are at home with Minnesota, which is the worst team in the Big Ten by far, and then Michigan State. You know, I think Nebraska, if they could get to 17 wins, they'll get to the NIT. But that's asking a lot um, because I I did not see the Knight and Rutgers coming at all. You know, double-figure underdog on the road. They haven't been a completely different identity on the road. But, man, that was not a fluke. They dominated from start to finish, and so they come home, and I – you know, for the next two days, this afternoon with Iowa women in town and then Maryland tomorrow, PBA is going to be rocking. But it's kind of it's, you know, it's one of those things we've all talked about, the three of us. Um, we, we've talked about, OK, Fred said this is a likable team. That's one thing that's held the course the entire season. This is a likable team because they play hard. And as you mentioned, Tominaga is becoming a rock star. I mean, kids are attracted to him. He's playing well. He makes it fun. Nebraska basketball has gone through about a three week stretch where it's fun again. Now, is there any way they can have a four-month stretch under Fred Hoiberg where it's fun the entire time? Even with the ups and downs of a season, there is a lot more fun times than there are, oh, boy, they blew it at Illinois, they blew it at Purdue, those kind of discussions. You know, one other interesting thing about this year and the job that Fred Hoiberg has done, you know, Trev Alberts commented on how they've, hey, they've totally changed their identity. They went to more of a defensive, grind you down, you know, not so much kind of um, offense-based, you know, it's it's defense, it's play smart, it's play hard. But then midseason, you have to adapt again. 
right? So, so the the two guys that I think exemplified that mentality the most, Bandamel and Gary, they're out. So now you have to change course again. And then in the last game, that was sort of Fred Hoiberg going back to his offensive wizardry. What what did they do offensively, Gary, to really change course again and all of a sudden get shooters free and have them knock them down? Well, you have to hit the shots, first of all. And when you have Wiltshire, who has not hit a lot of shots when you need it, can shoot at a high percentage. So they have to adjust the game where you dump it into Walker. And he's he's become an elite passer from yeah. the post position. But I think they're playing – they played faster on uh, Tuesday night against Rutgers. And, and when they're hitting shots, it looks like that. But I will – to another point, and you guys can all chime on this. This is my observation. So you lose Gary and Bandemil, and that's a big hit because if you have those two guys, is Nebraska in this position, or are they forced to really go outside of their comfort zone with rotations and how they attack the game when they don't have those two quality guys on the floor? So all of a sudden, Tomanaga is playing more. Let's be honest. If Gary and Bandemil don't get hurt, is Tomanaga playing this amount of minutes? Because he wasn't playing consistently when those two guys were here. But He's I only think, started nine games this no, year. I, I've also yeah. seen – I think Fred has had to be a better coach. You see that he's got a short le- leash. Kata was really good against Wisconsin. He wasn't good the other night, but he didn't play very much. And when you knew that it was trending the wrong way, he took him out of the game. And so he's managed the minutes. Breidenbach, when Breidenbach, he just comes in for a quick little splash, they get him out of the game. I think Fred has done a better job in-game because he's been forced to, and that's – that's a good sign for him if you're trying to judge, okay, what's this going to look like next year? So, Gary, well whenever, whenever, whenever you look Go at it, it, it's it's not a case of we, – we all know Fred Hoiberg's coaching acumen. We've seen it this season. We've seen it in his previous stops. The problem that he's faced at Nebraska is roster construction. I think there's going to be more roster construction needed this next offseason. I don't want to look too far ahead, but, but, Gary, when you look at what could possibly be coming back for this team next season – I mean, Fred Hoiberg's going to have to do a, a hell of a job putting together some pieces next season because we can all see that this team doesn't have the kind of talent that's going to that's gonna stack up to the rest of the, the foes you're going to face in the Big Ten. There, there's going to be change needed this offseason. I, I think we're at the point where you know Fred's coming back, but but how big of a shift is going to be needed this offseason? Well, you're going to have to find some dudes, and you're going to have to find a point guard. I mean, Sam Griesel, uh, who is turning out to be one of the better student-athletes just as a, as a good guy that Nebraska's had in a long time. He got kind of spoiled. Now, is he a guy over the long haul in the Big Ten? Probably not. He's got some limitations, but he's been exactly what you've needed this year. But you got to go find a point guard, whether that guy is already in your program or he's somewhere else. you got to find a dude at point. Mark, you were bringing up Young of Maryland. People are going to see that tomorrow. The value of having a guy that can be a facilitator and also can get to the rack and can score points when need be, that's what Nebraska needs. But they also are going to need a five. You know, Derek Walker, we see him a lot. Yeah. I, I think we're spoiled with Derek Walker. and He's He might good. be even undervalued around the He's country good. because of how much he does. So this is going to have to be an important offseason for Nebraska. It's going to have to be very good in the portal. And, you know, that could be a hit or miss. So you also have to judge, Elijah, Mark, and uh, Schmitty, is guys that are currently on the roster. When you have a good roster, what is their role? Is Tomanaga a key player on a roster that is full of dudes, or is he a good third, fourth option? I mean, those are a lot of things you have to sift through, but I think a point guard and a big man replacing Greasel and Walker are 
utmost utmost importance. And I think you got to get some guys at those positions that have tread on their tires. I don't think you can start over with some newbies at the beginning of the year because Nebraska is going to have to win next year and it has to be an NCAA year. And there's nothing that says, hey, Northwestern, nobody expected them. They lost their two best players. They might win the Big Ten. Say that out loud. They might win the Big Ten and it's past Valentine's Day and they're already in the tournament. That's a lot happening in, in the, the Big Ten realms of, of college basketball. That's going to be a tough ask. And look to the point of Derek Walker. Look where he started. Look where he's at in his Husker career, right? I mean, that's, that's development. That's work on his part. That's work by the coaching staff. That's a lot of perseverance. You're seeing it, it pay off here as a passer, as a guy that can face the rim and get to the rack. Uh, Greasel's been incredible to your point with uh, just his mentality, right? That that blue collar, let's come in and set the tone for the rest of the locker room. And with Tominaga, he's a guy in a perfect world that you come in and he gets you double digits off the bench. His role is to come in, hit threes. His role is to come in and, and get some great backdoor cuts Fabulous movement without the basketball and, and and be a spark scoring there because as nice of a run as he's been on, he still uh, can can be abused at times on the defensive end. And uh, if he's not on, and Nebraska's had too many nights early in the season when Tominaga and Wiltshire were both off. You need that three-point threat, uh, catch and shoot or get to the basket guy, and he's been great at it. But in a perfect world, he's uh, – He's a latter option, in my opinion, uh, even though he's had a great run right now. Maybe maybe this is his launching point. Maybe this is Tominaga here to stay uh, versus a, a nice little kind of golden era right now. Well, you say Tominaga here to stay. Does his recent run increase his stock when it comes to making a decision on his professional career? I'm not talking about the NBA. Right. But here's somebody who could make a lot of money going back closer to home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think you need to watch what his decision is in the offseason. Because sure. I think there will be options out there. I don't I don't say options of he'll get in the portal and go somewhere else. I'm thinking maybe he decides that this is as high as it's gotten. And now I can cash in on it because he can go back to Asia, guys, and he can make a lot of but, money but, if that's what he chooses. But, Gary, on the other side of things, this is where the NIL factor changes things for, for college athletics, where I think 10 years ago, you'd, you'd I don't know, I'll say bank on the fact, but it'd be a, a pretty good bet that he could go cash and he could start making money, but he's been able to make money, and now with this run at the end of the season, I think it, it could open up off-season NIL opportunities, which would be something that could keep a guy around. I think this is the, the changing scene of, of college athletics that we're seeing, where that's now an option for guys like Casey. Yeah, and that'll put into you know into the spotlight what is Nebraska basketball's NIL situation. We know what it is for football, and my gosh, we know what it is for volleyball at Nebraska. What is Nebraska basketball's NIL situation? Because let's be honest, whether it be somebody currently on your roster or somebody you got to go get, Nebraska's going to have to, from the basketball standpoint, be very comfortable and very strong when it comes to NIL. Because in that world right now, we're seeing NIL become very, very important to get guys to move from one location to another or to say no to a professional career, whether it be the NBA or over in Europe. So that's going to be another thing to, to watch in the offseason. And that's do people have enough faith that Nebraska basketball can next year 
get it right from start to finish, that they're like, you know what? This is an investment that I want to go with. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Nebraska baseball kicked off their season last night in San Diego. Some uh, interesting little moves there. Josh Karen was starting at catcher, Griffin Everett not. And I know he got some time behind the plate last year, but I found that noteworthy. Um, have you heard? Is, is I would have to imagine that's an injury situation for Everett, where he's still able to bat. He DH'd. Yeah. Have you heard? Either way, well, I'm just curious about that. I, I think Mark, it's just a situation as they have two good catchers, and you know they they, they kind of want a little bit more out of Griffin, and and they know they can get more out of him. I, I wouldn't read a ton into it. They're going to have two really good uh, receivers behind the plate, um, yeah. and you'll see you'll see enough of Griffin throughout the year. And so we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see a new guy tomorrow, Caleb Clark, who has immediately earned the respect of the entire team. Obviously, yeah, you, you like, brought you brought him up a couple of weeks ago when he talked to the media the first time. Yeah, they 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 you know the the coaches bring him up, the players almost like foregone conclusion. Like, yeah, that's one of our guys, like for sure. Lefty out of uh, lefty out of Canada, he'll make Ontario. his tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so how much? Uh, I was just thinking about it. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit. It, at least last year, they didn't really have it. You got to have that top end guy at some point. Yeah. He he's got a chance if if he's as good as advertised, he could move up into that Friday spot potentially, right? Well, watch today when Kaminska, the transfer from Wichita State, pitches. I tell you, they like their Olson Kaminska combo. And you know the thing about baseball, and 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 you guys know this, is you play fifty six games. So last night was the opener. Didn't go so well on the back end. The back end of the bullpen, they got to figure out. Um, Nebraska couldn't get those timely hits. They had opportunities with guys in scoring position. You know, you open up the season, you leave double figures on the bases. So you can't overact to game one. But I tell you, they like Kaminska. But they feel like they've got a good Friday-Saturday combo. And if Clark can fill that Sunday role, they like their threesome in the Big Ten when they get to the weekend. But today's an important day. I think they need to see something out of Jace Kaminska because – they thought highly of him when he transferred from Wichita State that he's going to be a guy that can get a lot of swings and misses. So this is a good bounce back day for for Nebraska with him on the mound. But, I, you know, you kind of start you watch the first couple of weeks and then you start to judge and you figure out roles and what this team is going to be like. But they had their opportunities yesterday. How do you guys like that Bryce Matthews got caught by the pitch clock? <laughs> and he, he struck out. I, I'm thinking, you know what? Has Nebraska practiced at all with the pitch clock? Because they haven't been at Haymarket Park because they redid the field. So they've been out at Den Hartog and they've been inside. So last night was probably a whole new thing with the pitch clock, I imagine. Oh, man. And, Gary, we didn't even get to talk about this a couple weeks ago when Major League Baseball enacted their changes um, for for how baseball is going to be played. I want to get your take on this because you're a baseball guy. But significant changes like it's going back yeah. to when we were collecting baseball cards, baseball, where like you there's no more shift. You're not doing that anymore. You can't you literally can't do yeah. it anymore. No more shift. Got to have two infielders on either side of the bag of, of second base. You're widening the first base a little bit, which should increase steals. It, it, you know, it should um, help a little there. Uh, and then pitch clock. And, you know, it's going to be a way different game. What what is that going to do in your mind to just rosters in general? I I, I think you've basically eliminated the Wade Boggs and the Ichiro's because no one can hit no one can hit you know Tony Gwynn. You can't hit those shallow singles anymore. Those Makes were me sad. Totally taken away by the shift. 
the time. And so everybody just went yeah. power hitter, power hitter, power hitter. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a significant change and, and we're in for a really weird major league season because well, of get ready for spring training with the pitch clock, because I saw it a lot the last couple of years in triple a seen a lot of the storm chasers games and you don't really notice it after a while. And the game does move at a good pace for pitchers and for hitters. It does take a little bit to get used to spring training is going to be rocky. I'm just yeah. telling you, it's going to be rocky because of veterans that have never done this before and they're vehemently against it, whether they got a ball in their hand or a bat in their hand, they're going to fight it and it's going to be an adjustment. And I, you know, the umpires are going to be the ones that got to enforce it. And you got to, you don't have a lot of young umpires that are coming up that have done this in the minors. These are older umpires that this is brand new and they have to enforce that as well. So it's going to be a little bit choppy, but I, I think in terms of hitting, it's going to show you again, who the really good hitters are. Mm-hmm. Look at like a guy like Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer playing at the Metrodome would hit those little bouncing balls that would hit the turf and, and, and scoot on into center field for a base hit. Well, against the shift, he couldn't do that because they played him straight up the yep. middle. Now yep. you're going to have guys that are going to be forced to be better at the plate. I think it'll make the game overall, it'll make it much better. And I think with the pitch clock, when everybody gets used to it, the game will move with a good pace to it. Now, the one change that I hear a lot of people are upset about is the extra innings rule, and that's for a whole nother show. But in college baseball, I like that they're thinking about, you know what, we have way too many three-and-a-half-hour games that are two-to-one where people just take their free time and they step out of the box and they mess around on the mound. Let's go. It helps the other players on the field, especially when you're behind a pitcher. You don't want a pitcher just taking a bunch of time. You want to get the ball and go, go, go. It helps you as a, a defender. So I'm glad that college baseball is at least addressing that as well because they're all thinking about the future of what – is the viewership going to be like? What about playing the game? Who's going to be with our game when we get 5, 10, you know, 20 years down the road? I would like Sharpie. to add, Gary, really fast that I've talked to some of the backroom staff for the Storm Chasers last year whenever the, the change was made. Sounds like the players hated it for about two weeks, the pitch clocks, and then they get used to it. You realize how much quicker games can go, and you start to deal with it. And I know from an umpiring perspective as well, uh, no one's yeah. unhappy about games speeding up. You get your game checked the, the same <laughs> at the end of the game, whether it's a two-and-a-half-hour game or a four-hour game. So I think it's, it's going to be a case of people getting used to it this spring. And then once you start realizing, you know what, I have a lot more time in my evening after a two-and-a-half-hour game compared to a four-hour game, guys get used to it, and they'll be all right. That's good stuff. Sharpie, just to end on this, and thanks for jumping on with us this, uh, this weekend edition. From an, from an offensive identity standpoint for Nebraska baseball, what, what are the, the fits, uh, what are the, uh, the talents on that bench for Coach Bolt here? What, what can the offense be, do you think? Uh, more power, uh, better, better pop, or are they a, a team that you think with this roster is going to have to string together multiple hits per inning to score? Well, we they all gotta, like the they got to put the ball in play. Yeah, <laughs> they they got to put the ball in play. We'd like the corner infielders and the corner outfielders to be double figure home run guys. That's not yeah. going to happen. Even though Dylan Carey, there's a reason that he forced yeah. himself into the lineup to play third and Max Anderson moved to second. He's he's a huge pickup for Nebraska. Um, I think this is a team, as Mark just alluded to last year, there were a lot of swings and misses, um, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of strikeouts in key situations with less than two outs and runners in scoring position. I think the way this team is built, this is going to be the prototypical get them on, get them over, get them in. I think that's the way they're going to have to play to have success because they don't have a bunch of big boppers in the lineup. But until they stop 
with with key strikeouts and a lot of swings and misses, not just on strike three, but strike one, strike two. They got to figure that out until that they're going to have to be get them on, get them over, get them in and manufacture a lot of runs, especially early in the season before people figure out their roles. Yeah, they left 11 on last night. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Not good. We'll see how it goes. Sharpie, enjoy your your weekend. Have a good call this weekend. And thanks for uh, for hopping on with us, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Go Chiefs. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> there he is, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Uh, good stuff on football, baseball, basketball, your three food groups. Got to love it. <laughs> That's uh, right. Cranek, uh, weekend is what for you? You off to any volleyball or anything? That's right. Good? Yeah, we got a little volleyball. Going to go check out that Maryland game tomorrow, too. Well, get, shoot me a text, man. I'll be down there for it. I will. I'll hit you up. Be good. Let's do it. All right. All right. Putting him on the spot. I love that. <laughs> oh, I guess I got to call him. Uh... <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Lige, appreciate you. Good stuff. Yes, Christian sir. here. Talk to you on Monday with Hale Varsity presented by Currency.